Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today, I'm joined by attorney Pamela F. Olson, who's involved in private practice based in Scotts Bluff. She's going to share with us some things in terms of her thoughts around stewardship and transition as we think about farm and ranch families passing that business on to the next generation. But Mrs. Olson, before we dive into that today, share with us a little more about your background and your history and how you got to where you are today. Thanks, Aaron. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be a part of this podcast today, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with your audience about these really important questions. Um, I care about stewardship and transition from a professional perspective for a couple of different reasons. First, as part of my practice as an attorney, I spend a great deal of time with clients, helping them understand the best ways to think through transition of assets at a lot of different times. Um, sometimes it's a matter of transition of management and control as folks age or develop um, a desire to do other things besides the professional work that they're currently doing. Sometimes I'm helping them transition because of illness or because someone critical to an operation has passed away. And all of those issues are very important to me uh, because I am a rancher's wife. Um, my husband, Douglas Olson, and I farm and ranch in Banner County, Nebraska. We are part of an operation that has been in, in existence now for four generations. And I'm also a dairy farmer's daughter. So I think about these questions for ag professionals, particularly from a very personal point of view. Well, as we think about those questions, I think this is a time of year from my perspective that often it's we're into short days, long nights, cold outside, and, and also year end starting a new year. Sometimes this is a time of year, I think, when folks are thinking about, you know, maybe we ought to think about our state plan or transition of our business. Holidays are coming up. Sometimes conversations happen then. What are some things you encourage as you work with clientele to think through around this whole topic, as you mentioned early on, of stewardship and transition. What are some things you encourage them to think through? For folks who are involved in the agricultural profession, there are a number of issues that are important to consider as they think through how to transition their assets over time. When I talk with clients, I often refer to these as the hard questions because they are hard questions. Uh, folks who operate, practice, in the agricultural world have some unique issues they need to address. Among the questions that I ask clients to consider are these. First, what are your goals for the use of your assets during your own lifetime? And you'd be surprised, Erin, at how often that is one of the more difficult questions. And the reason for that really, and most sincerely, is because this set of professionals is frequently and primarily focused on managing, maintaining, moving many um, channels of diverse operation forward. It's hard to sit down and think about what do I want with regard to my assets. But the, the kinds of answers involve questions like this. Do you want to maintain your operation at the level it is currently? Do you want to downsize? Do you want to build? Are you in a, are you in a growth phase? Um, how are you managing debt? How are you thinking about 
infrastructure investment? So those kinds of questions are the starting point. What about you right now while you're living and actively engaged in the business? The next set of questions deals with what happens if you have a surviving spouse. If you have a surviving spouse when you either pass away or a spouse for whom you have to provide care when you step away from primary management roles, how are you going to plan for that spouse? What kinds of decision-making or involvement in the management of the operation do you want that spouse to have if you're not there or if you're not able to be involved? And it's not always what you want, it's what their capacity is. And I often use myself as an example of that. While I have a my own professional work that I do, I also am very engaged in our family business. But the reality is, while I'm very engaged, what I call myself is wildly reliable, unskilled labor, right? This is not what my husband does on a day-to-day basis, requires an education, a skill set, and experience that I don't have. So if he wasn't there to make decisions and manage certain aspects of our operation, I currently don't have the skill set to do those same things if he could not. So those are two of the first questions that we want to think through. What are some other things you encourage folks to think through? We've already hit some pretty heavy ones, but let's keep going on. Yeah. So some other questions are these. When both of you are gone, if you are a married couple or if you are a solo operator, when you're not there, what happens to the assets and to the business that you have acquired and built? In the context of family business and farming operations, ranching operations, Another enormous question, and it it is enormous, this is very hard to deal with, is when do you transition operational aspects like management decision-making, control? Those are big issues because folks who operate in the profession of agriculture tend to be pretty involved on the day-to-day business of making decisions along all lines. So to take segments of that decision-making and move that to a succession succession plan, a successor of some sort, can be really difficult. And so it's important to think about what is a reasonable way to teach and train others who may be able to facilitate some aspects of your role. And on what timeline do you step back enough to allow them to really build the skill set they need to do the job. I really appreciate what you share there. I think one of the challenges from my perspective, and I think you would see this as well as for many agriculture producers, it's not only your profession, but it's your identity. It's where you live. And so all of those things are all wrapped together, which I think is a little bit different than some other professionals who may leave their work physically and go home where For most agricultural professionals who are involved in farming and ranching, they live and work all in the same space. And so sometimes that transition, I think, can even be a little more challenging for folks who are in that role. I'd agree with that, Aaron. I know at least personally for Douglas and for me, we are passionate about the, the family business in which we're engaged. We love our work. Uh, I love my professional work as well. But there is something unique about, if I may say it this way, the blood, sweat, and tears that go into the business of feeding the world. 
mean, that's not an overstatement. This is incredibly important work. And the people who engage in this work are passionate about it as well. No one would work as hard as we work in agriculture under the stressors, under the risk um, dynamic that we deal with on a daily basis if we weren't passionate about what we do. And so to think about not doing that in some form, that's a really tough, that's a really tough mental shift to deal with. So Pamela, in light of that, as you work with clientele, what are some things that you think are helpful to maybe questions to ask, things to think through in some of the things we've just talked about to begin to take some steps to to move forward in terms of developing a plan and, and begin to execute it? So the starting point is to devote some time to this particular question. That's very difficult to do because, you know, there are always a million priorities or emergency type issues that have to be dealt with inside the context of an active operation. And to discipline yourself to sit down, to think, to consider these kinds of questions, that's the first priority and the first thing that you need to do. The second thing that you need to do, in my view, is to find the right kinds of professionals to assist you with this. It is important when you are engaging in questions of transition, estate planning, long-term care planning, tax planning, to have around you the professionals with whom you can work, with whom you feel comfortable, who are willing to teach you what you don't know, to help you make decisions about all the things you do know. So... Oftentimes what I say when I'm talking with folks about these questions is, you know, particularly for agricultural professionals, these are folks who wear many hats and wear many hats well, but it is not necessary for them to understand all the ins and outs of federal estate tax laws, of estate planning tools and techniques. It's important for them to go find the people who can engage with them and, and build a team around them. That team certainly needs to include an attorney who understands these issues. And by these issues, I mean who understands how planning tools work, who understands how to talk with the client and push the client to answer the kinds of hard questions we've already talked about today. If you are working with someone who leaves you confused, who seems impatient if you ask questions or you want to review things, they're probably not the right fit for you um, and are not the right person to be on your team. You want someone who's willing to educate and engage with you. You likely also will need some tax planning professional assistance. Um, we haven't talked about taxes, but taxes are a big deal in the context of transition planning and certainly in the context of ag transition planning. And so you want to make certain that as part of your team, you've got a tax planning professional who can work with your professional, your legal professional, to really make sure that the things that are being implemented work correctly across all kinds of tax planning concerns. You may need to have additionally some insurance professionals. And by insurance professionals, I am including crop insurance, 
uh, property and liability insurance to the extent it's relevant to you, life insurance, retirement funding, long-term care planning. Those are all kinds of professional advisors who should be at least considered as part of what you're doing. And again, the key is find someone you can work with and you can talk to. That's absolutely critical. What I hear you saying is this is something that takes thought, time, and an investment of effort to, as you just said, build a team. That's not something you're going to do in a day or two. This is kind of a long-term process. It's a long-term process, and it is a process that needs to be revisited periodically. And I think that's important to note as well. It is a long-term process to build the kinds of operations that most ag professionals have. That requires time. It requires thought. It requires commitment. And in my view, that is a critical stewardship exercise, right? To build the kinds of businesses to engage in the work that these folks do, that is a stewardship endeavor. And with stewardship, in my view, comes the obligation to have a plan for what happens with the resources you are stewarding when you cannot steward them yourself. And so it does require time, it does require thought, and it does require that you periodically look at the plan that you have built to make certain that that plan is still suitable. Life is messy. Everybody knows that. What seems to work in year one may no longer work in year 10 because of changes in critical employees, changes in family dynamics, changes in health. So it's important to look back over that plan over time to make sure it really does suit your circumstances today in the same way it suited them 5, 10, 15 years ago. The other thing I would say is this, if you're working with the right professional, this is a lot of fun. And sometimes when I say that, folks roll their eyes, you know, they liken going to see an attorney to going to see the dentist. And it really doesn't have to be that way. I so enjoy my ag professional clients, because these are professionals who, as an entire group, are incredibly creative people. Most ag professionals in a given day are going to be thinking around problems to reach solutions. And I truly enjoy sitting down with this particular set of clients, finding out what their goals are, and talking with them about the different ways we can meet the goals they have. People are infinitely interesting. And this set of professionals, they're so fun to engage with because they understand on a day-to-day basis how to be creative and how to think through problems to solutions. It can be a great experience. As you think about clientele you've worked with, where you've seen the process go well, what are some characteristics or what are some kind of markers that you would look back on and say, these are things that I see people who want to engage in this and do this well, these are things that kind of mark that process. That's a great question, Aaron. I think the the starting point from my perspective is the most successful engagements include clients who believe me when I say, ask me questions. If I'm saying something that you don't fully understand, tell me so, so we can talk about it more and make sure this really 
you know, fits inside what you want to do that you feel really comfortable with the tools that we're developing. And it is the folks who are willing to ask those questions, the clients who are willing to be candid about the different family dynamics or operational dynamics that are in place. Those are the engagements that are most successful. And that is, I I think it's important to say this as well, because we live in a community, meaning an ag community, not just here in Western Nebraska, but just in general, ag professionals are or tend to be a fairly discreet and quiet group. They don't want to talk about what they own. They don't want to talk about how many cattle they run. You know, that would be like walking up to a stranger and asking them how much money they have in their bank account, right? These are private people. And it is important for these folks, particularly, although all clients should know this, to understand that when we're talking about planning issues in in the office of an attorney, when an attorney is engaged, that attorney is required, obligated to keep the secrets of the client. These are attorney-client privileged communications, which means that they must be kept confidential unless the client permits the attorney to share confidential information with third parties. And with that protection over the conversation, it can make it a lot easier for clients to do those things, to ask questions, to be candid, et cetera. Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today in terms of things you think are important for folks to think through as they maybe revisit an estate and transition plan or just are in the early stages of starting one? I think one of the things we haven't talked about and that is an issue that is very important is really understanding what you own and how you own it. And that may sound fairly basic to your listeners, Erin, but... What I mean by that is this, oftentimes in the heat and turmoil of day-to-day professional life, you as a as the owner of assets do not necessarily think about, um, for example, respecting an entity form. So if your operation includes a corporation, is it a C-corp? Is it an S-corp? What does the corporation own for assets? If you own assets individually, do you own them as a joint tenant with rights of survivorship with a third party? Do you own them as a tenant in common? Are you operating assets as a beneficiary of a trust? How are you owning the assets you have? Because how you own an asset determines what kind of control you have over it when you're building your own estate and transition plan. So it is critical to truly understand how you own what you own. And if an entity is in the mix, if you have a corporation, a limited liability company, a partnership, are you respecting the governance documents that tell you how as a member of that entity, that entity should be acting and you as a member should be acting? So you need to gather that information think through those issues as well. And that is also a critical part of the conversation when you're thinking about transition and stewardship. Anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic today? The one other thing I suppose we should talk about, and it's everybody's favorite topic, is tax planning. When you do transition of any sort, whether that is transition of assets to another owner or transition of assets at death, 
for example, there are tax implications related to that transition. Inside the context of estate planning, particularly, we are in a time of uncertainty. There are layers of estate taxes that need to be considered in any kind of transition plan. Um, and currently, the transitional or flux area of, of estate tax planning involves the federal estate tax. Uh, we currently have very high federal estate tax exemptions as a result of a bill that was passed when President Trump was elected to office. Um, but that bill that continues to support high federal estate tax exemptions for asset owners when they die is scheduled to sunset on its own terms at the end of 2025. What happens in 2026 will depend a great deal on the election results in 2024. And it's important to understand that as you talk through these questions, particularly with ag professionals who have may have asset-heavy balance sheets, but perhaps liquidity light cash flow statements, it's important to understand the federal estate tax issues that may come into play as well. If you're thinking about transition of assets currently during your lifetime, maybe you're thinking about retiring and liquidating assets, it's important to think about the income tax consequences of that also. Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate your candor and just helping us think through what are some important things to consider, to know, to, to really engage in around this topic? Thanks, Aaron. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the Center for Ag Profitability website at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. There are some good resources there. And also, if you have an interest in learning more about Mrs. Pamela Epp Olson, attorney, she has her contact information on the web.